Our Old Testament lesson comes from Numbers chapter 12. Numbers 12 verses 1 through 8. We read about the servant of the Lord, a servant in God's house. Numbers 12 verse 1. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than all people who were on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, Come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both came forward. And he said, Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses." He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth, clearly, not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant, Moses? Now we turn to the New Testament lesson, which is the sermon text from the book of Hebrews. We're reading Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Hebrews 3, 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who is faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been accounted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. The Christ is faithful over God's house as a son. And we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Let's go to the Lord and ask his blessing. O Lord, our God, our Father, you have spoken to us in your word. And now may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, that our instruction might be from you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, today we are departing from our Matthew text because we are receiving a new member into the congregation. And it just seemed like a wonderful opportunity to talk about the church, to talk about you, and to talk about your place in the church and what you are a part of. Because we have one member joining us. He is joining not only Westminster Presbyterian Church in Corvallis, Oregon. He is joining a throng of people that goes back to the very beginning. It includes Moses. He's joining a church which includes Moses as a member. And that's what our text tells us and what we're looking at. 
You know, people talk about the church in different ways. I'm sure they, you know, you all have talked about a church because of the name of the pastor. So, you know, I'm going to so-and-so's church. Uh, or because of the building. Yeah, it's that church on that street. Uh, or they talk about, yeah, you know that big building, the big round one. We're going to the round church. Uh, but here's the problem with that. We're going to consider the fact that the building and the pastor does not define the church. What defines the church are the members of the church, the people of God, whose church, whose house you are, the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what really matters. Uh, and just so you know, you know, I, I am a, uh, I, you did not vote for me to be your pastor. <laughs> and that's a, that's a vital part of a Presbyterian system is that you would vote uh, for me to be your pastor. I'm not, I'm an uh, interim pastor, I call myself. Uh, you could call me pulpit supply. I'm really in the same position as Pastor Calvin Alcor, who came last week. This is my position before you. I am uh, called by the presbytery to help you. So I am helping you. Uh, but let me tell you, it doesn't mean I'm leaving <laughs> or not, not uh, happy uh, serving you as best I can in this capacity. But I just want you to know that we are looking for a pastor. But even then, it's a pastor who will be a servant of this church, the people of God here. That's our role in, as a pastor. Because Christ is the head of the church. And Christ builds his church. That has to be the foundation of all of our thinking about the church. And the church reaches back to the very beginning. If you want to know when the church began, it began with Adam and Eve. And I'm not being facetious. I'm not joking. I'm not overstating that. That is actually when the church started with Adam and Eve. Uh, and since then, there has been one people of God built up throughout the ages in different places. And here we are here. And we're talking about it because we are having a member join us here. Um, uh, uh, you know, of course, Zachary Smith will be joining us and he will be uh, also united to the visible church uh, through baptism today. And this is a this is a big part of, of Christian life. And this is a big part of the life of this church. Uh, and this goes back to the beginning. So uh, we have this idea of. Uh, admission into the visible church, in particular with baptism. Uh, in baptism, you are admitted into the visible church. Visible just means it is here on this earth, uh, composed of the people of God here. Well, you are joining with Moses. That's what Hebrews says. And Hebrews 6, by the way, is based on Numbers 12. He read that. And he's interpreting it for us in light of the coming of Christ. So he's making clear reference to that text in Numbers 12. The author of the Hebrews is referencing it. For example, the term for servant in God's house that Hebrews uses in uh, Hebrews 6, that term is uh, somewhat of an unusual term. It, you know, it just means servant. It's nothing Nothing secret about it. But there are many other terms for servant. And he uses the one found in the Greek translation of Numbers 12. 
which is what he's what he's using. He's making clear reference to Numbers 12. There are other things as well. He talks about uh, faithful in his whole house. Well, there's another way to say all of his house. He doesn't say that. He says the whole house because that's what's found in Numbers 12. So I'm just pointing out that our author is really expositing Numbers 12 for us. There's a couple of other things here that we'll be bringing out uh, that are important when we look at our text more carefully. In Numbers 12, it's quite striking, isn't it, that uh, in Numbers 12, Moses twice is said, my servant Moses, who's faithful in my whole house. Uh, but, but the Lord refers to Moses twice as my servant Moses. And uh, it's not that Miriam and Aaron had not served the Lord, but Moses was a servant with particular role to play in the house. And God honors him that way. So he had received honor from the Lord. And this comes up in our text as well. We also find in our Numbers 12 passage that Moses was very meek. It's not a, shouldn't be a surprise to you that I read from a psalm that talked about the meek inheriting the land. Or your thought going to one of the Beatitudes, the meek will inherit the earth. This was Moses' role in the church. He was meek. And what meek here means is gentle. He was not lording it over people. He was a servant in the house. And this is the role of a pastor. He is a servant of the people of God. This is, this is what we do. We serve people. Um, and this is what Moses did. He was meek. He did not lord himself over people and grind them down so that he would be exalted. This was uh, a characteristic of Moses and why God honors him as his servant. Now, in our text of Hebrews chapter 6, I'd like you to look there now. Um, and it's in Hebrews uh, 6 verse 5. Now, Moses was faithful in all God's house, the whole of God's house, as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. Um, the way this reads more woodenly would be as testimony of the things that would be spoken. Now, in Hebrews, he uses this term spoken quite often. Remember, Hebrews opens by talking about God spoke to our fathers in the prophets, but now he has spoken to us in the Son. And it's his, his term for God's revelation to us, how he has spoken to us. It's a personal kind of communication. This is the term for talking to somebody. God has talked with us. He has spoken to us. He didn't thunder at us. He didn't, you know, shake his finger at us. He, he talked with us. He communicated to us. He has spoken to us as one speaks with a friend. Uh, and formerly through the prophets, notice God in Numbers 12, if I speak through a prophets, here's how I do it. Not so with Moses, with my servant. I do it more directly, like one would speak to a friend. Mouth to mouth is what we would say face to face. Uh, it's this uh, more personal communication. 
And what Hebrews is doing is looking at and saying, well, that whole thing was really pointing ahead to Christ, who is who is uh, in relation to this same house, one who turns out to be a son over the house. And so Moses represents Christ. He typifies Christ. But more importantly, Christ is over this house. So God has appeared to testify to one who would speak later. Moses himself was testimony. Now, this is not present in our translation of Numbers 12. Our translation of Numbers 12 twice says that they were to gather at the tent. Um, and there's, there's two references there. Miriam, Aaron, and Moses were to gather at the tent. And in the Greek translation, t- those two places of the tent actually says gather at the tent of testimony. And it's the same word Hebrews uses in uh, Hebrews 3, 5, for, as Moses was served in the house as testimony of the things that would be spoken. They gathered at the tent of testimony. That's another reference to that tent, by the way. It's testimony to God, testifying to him, where he testifies to his people. And so Hebrews reminds us it's the tent of testimony. And that testimony was pointing ahead to things that would be spoken and understood there things that would be spoken in the coming of Christ. He's the one who brings the definitive speech of God. This is Hebrews 1, 2. In these last days, God has spoken to us in his son. That's what makes it the last days. The speech of the son to us. He has come incarnate as a person. The second person of the Trinity has come to speak to us. And he is the definitive speech of God. The one who brings the last word. Jesus himself says in John 5:46, If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Moses was testifying to Christ. If you believe Moses, you would believe me because he wrote of me. This is what, this is what our author is picked up on when it says, you should consider or fix your attention on Jesus. This is Hebrews 3.1. The apostle and high priest of our confession. Here apostle simply means an envoy. One who brings a message. One who represents a king in another realm who comes from that king and represents that king in your presence. Well, Moses was an apostle in that sense. He was an envoy from God. God spoke to him face to face so that he would speak to the people of God uh, in his day. But now we have an apostle and envoy uh, sent by the Father to us who is the Son, the Son of God Himself. Well, it turns out, interestingly, He's the builder of that house that Moses was a part of. The builder of that house, Moses is a servant in my house, the builder has come in the person of the Son of God to build His house. Moses was in this house as a servant. But the one 
who came is the builder and owner of the house. It actually comes clear in verse 6. I was reading the English Standard Version, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house. They start a new sentence. But you could render that, whose house we are. Whose house we are. That's how it reads here. And the reference here is to Christ, faithful over God's house, whose house we are. I want you to think about the implications of that. Moses was faithful in God's house that Christ is the builder over whose house we are. Christ was the builder of the house that Moses was a part of. And you are that house. Whose house we are. We are of that house. Whether we're Jews or Gentiles, it makes no difference. Because now the tents of Shem have expanded out to the nations. Now that house has reached its full magnitude of glory coming throughout the world. Whose house you are. You're part of that same house. You're joining a church which is a house of the living God. And Moses was in this house. There's unity of the church, Old and New Testament. It's common today, too common, for you to have learned that the Old Testament is cut off from the New Testament. That the church is something new and unforeseen and has no connection to the Old Testament people of God. And that is not biblical. This text speaks clearly against that. It's it's the word of God says, whose house we are, Moses was a servant in it. Christ was a builder of it. He was builder of Moses' house. He's a builder of this house of whom you now are part of. You have come into contact with the house of the living God, which began so long ago. This changes our perspective. We tend to think of, you know, Westminster and Corvallis as being, you know, so large, so, uh, so many, you know, things going for it and such. But we're part of that. We confess the faith that goes back to the Apostles' Creed and that goes back to, to Moses and beyond to the saints of God from much earlier. It is based on the Word of God. We're part of that house. And Christ has been building it from the beginning. Christ is the second Adam. He's the last Adam. So that when Adam and Eve fell, the last Adam already started his work of building the house of God. Right then at the very beginning in Genesis. That's what we're a part of. It it changes your perspective of what we're a part of here. And this is why we hold fast to the faith in Christ. We are holding fast to the household of God that Christ is building. We have a builder of the house who is almighty. And he's come for us that we might be a part of that house. Because most of you, certainly me, my ancestors at the time of the coming of Christ had nothing to do with the people of God. And yet we've been called in to join with the saints in light by Christ Jesus, 
who broke down the dividing wall. Ephesians 2. The dividing wall between Jew and Gentile has been broken down forever because Christ would have you in his house, whose house you are. Moses was a servant in that house so that he would testify to Christ. God has spoken in the Son, the builder of the house, that you are a part of that house. So you hold fast. You persevere in the faith. This is what Zach will hear later uh, when he joins our church and is baptized. He will be hearing that uh, exhortation to hold fast in the faith he professes. You profess the faith as well through the Apostles' Creed. You hold fast to this faith. That's what our author says at the end. If indeed we hold fast our confidence and boasting in our hope. Notice he didn't say if you hold fast and just gutting it through because it's really hard and it's at the end of the day, it's just minimal benefits. <laughs> Notice what he's offering us here. Hope. Confidence. Boasting in the Lord. Having God as our God. Having the builder of God's house from the very beginning as your Lord and Savior. And you're a part of His great work. And He will watch over you. He, he cares for this house He's building. That's why we persevere. Because it's a good thing. And He's, he's giving us hope. And in the end of the day, he says to us in the Gospel of John, it's better for you that I go away because I'll prepare a place for you. I will prepare a permanent place for you. I will prepare a place that you can't imagine how splendid and glorious it is. A new creation. That's where the house of God will assemble once for all in great joyful assembly where hope will be fulfilled. That's why we hold fast to this most holy faith. Let me read to you from Augustine. Augustine lived, you know, let's just say 400 A.D. That's a rough time when he was writing. 400 A.D., so over 1,600 years ago. Here's what he says about the house of God. He's read this passage as well. The same church that gave birth to Abel, Enoch, Noah, and Abraham also at a later time gave birth to Moses and the prophets before the coming of the Lord. And that very same church gave birth to our apostles and martyrs and all good Christians. For it gave birth to everyone who appeared, born at different times, but joined together in the fellowship of one people. Augustine. I didn't make this stuff up. He just read the scriptures too. Whose house you are, and the builder in the house is Christ, of whom, over which he ruled, and Moses was servant in that house. Let me remind you what you're coming into contact with when you're joining the church, and what you come into fellowship with. For you have not come to that which may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and tempest, the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further message be spoken. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches a mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, 
the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal assembly, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than the word of that spoken through Abel. Brothers and sisters, through the blood of Christ, you have come into the heavenly Mount Zion. Notice he doesn't say, that was Hebrews 12. Notice he doesn't say you will come. He says you have come. It's because you have entered into the house that the Lord Jesus Christ is building here on earth and eventually will hold you fast until that day when we will see these things that we are now in contact with, with our eyes. Let us pray. It's a good word, O oh Lord, to hear about the good things you've given us in Christ Jesus. Our Lord Jesus is worthy of so much more glory than Moses, though Moses himself is a pretty impressive guy. We ourselves, O oh Lord, we sometimes only look at what is visible, only look at what we see before us, day by day, help us to have this attitude that our author of the Hebrews exhorts us to have, that we have come into contact even with God, the Great Father, even with our Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood speaks better than the blood of Abel, the uh, mediator of the new covenant, in whom we have life and hope through the Holy Spirit. Help us to persevere, O Lord, to the very end. Help us to make a good profession of faith all of our days that we may end in the end of the day, arrive at that heavenly destination that you've reserved for us, a new creation.